0: Scripture this morning is found in the book of 2nd Timothy, chapter 3, verses 10 to 17. And I know that our church believes this, that the Bible is God's word, but I think it's important in this day and age to repeat that over and Let anybody that might be in our realm of influence in our sphere of dealing know that we believe the Bible is God's word, that uh, it's not just like any other book, that uh, it it is God's directions to us, and certainly there have been things said about the Bible over time, that, uh, that when you say the Bible is God's word, God did not speak every word in the Bible, and that is very true, but God has preserved the words that were spoken and recorded in the Bible so that we can benefit from them. Some of the things in the Bible, God did not say, the devil said, but it is God's preserved word to us to show us What has happened, and what some choices that were made were bad choices. God has preserved those for us for our benefit, for our our admonition, for our warning, so that we will make good choices, turn away from the evil, and turn to the good. And certainly, there are some things that are in the Bible that are from ancient literature. Uh, that have been used. Uh, there are some things in, in the recognized canon of scripture or the books that have been recognized as inspired that are from apocryphal or from non-inspired books. But they are there for our, once again, for our learning, for, for our benefit to help us in our lives. And so as that, the Bible is God's inspired word to us. And you might be interested, you probably already know that the word inspired actually means God breathed. God breathed. So interesting in the Greek language that spirit and spirit wind are the same Uh, the same word we talk about pneumatic that's speaking about air and that is the word that's used in the greek for the spirit so of course there's the holy spirit of god and the holy spirit of god is the means or the vehicle by which god's word has been transported to us. So, when, when we look at various books of the Bible, some uh, we think of uh, as, as Jeremiah, Isaiah, uh, these were prophets in the Old Testament. Uh, they were vehicles that God used, just as in the New Testament, God used Matthew Mark, Luke, John, he used Paul the Apostle, the letters that Paul wrote to the various churches that were established at that time, God used them to speak to us. So when God breathed the scripture, when God gave us the word, he did not give it in a, as it were, a rote form, that everything is the same because it came from the same person. So if you were to write letters and give them to various people, people would say, well, I recognize who this is from, from the words they've used, the thought patterns that they have used to process, What they are saying so when we think about the scripture God used many different authors Uh, as I say I should say scribes Uh, he is the author the Holy Spirit is the author so he used these individuals as vehicles working through their personalities through their experiences but giving them divine guidance and direction so that they could write the things that were what he wanted us to receive. And as such, because God is the author, then we believe that the Scripture has been guarded from essential error. Now you can find, you can find some variations in the scripture, but remember when we're talking about inspiration, we're talking about as the various writers wrote them at the time. They have been guarded from essential error, and I brought that up last time when I talked about the Dead Sea Scrolls. Remember that the book of Isaiah is essentially the same, even though it was hundreds of years older, what, they, what was found in those caves in Qumran. But uh, there are some typographical errors. When I say typographical, kind of funny because they didn't use a typewriter, did they? Uh, they, the scribes that copied those things, did them very meticulously and so they had to be very careful that every little mark, what Jesus called the jot and the tittle, we call the smallest part of a letter and any kind of piece of that letter uh, was guarded by the hand of God. But God did allow the various personalities and, and different levels of thought, levels is probably not a good word, different channels of thought to be used in the individual books so that, no, it's not, it's not conveying this person, this person's ideas and thoughts to us, it's conveying God's but it's coming through their particular vehicle. It's coming through their particular channels of thought and their particular mode of expression. Maybe in accordance with the time in which they lived. Uh, Maybe in accordance with some of their background. Uh, So because of that, we have a richness of expression that comes, but the author is still the same. It's still the Holy Spirit, and it's still inspired. It is God-breathed, and so God has seen to it that it comes to us in this day. So if you feel like you can stand, you can stand, and we'll look at 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 10 to 17. And I know that you know when we read 2 Timothy that Paul was in his second imprisonment in Rome. And this was going to be his final imprisonment. And Paul knew that he was soon going to be executed because he preached the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you can read about his comments coming up to that time in chapter 4, the very next chapter, which we'll not be reading this morning. But he's talking about that it's close to the time when he is going to be put to death. So, Paul is writing this with the full knowledge that his time on this earth is drawing to a close. And so we read here in 2 Timothy, and Timothy was one of the people that uh, Paul had delivered the gospel to and Paul recruited to be one of his People that traveled with him uh, eventually became a pastor of a church and so forth. So Timothy was very important to Paul. He was a son in the faith, as it was. And so he says to Timothy, But thou hast known my doctrine, my manner of life, my purpose, my faith, my long-suffering, my charity, my patience, my persecutions, my afflictions, which came unto me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, what persecutions I endured, but out of them all the Lord delivered me. Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned, and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation, through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration, of God, and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Lord, thank you for this word this morning. Thank you for what this Bible means to us, for what this Bible has preserved for us. I pray, dear Lord, your blessings upon the continuation of this service. May you guide and guard what I say, dear Lord, that it will be uplifting, edifying, it will build people up in the faith. and Help us, dear Lord, we pray that we'll sense the presence of Christ continuing on in our service this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated. I did wanna read something to you outside the scripture this morning. It's from Halley's Handbook. Dr. Halley writes, everybody ought to love the Bible. Everybody ought to be a regular reader of the Bible. Everybody ought to strive to live by the Bible's teachings. The Bible ought to have central place in the life and working of every church and in every pulpit. The pulpit's one business is a simple, expository teaching of God's Word. And expository means to teach in a way that explores what the actual Scripture is saying. And then he also wrote the Bible here in Timothy, is the one antidote against apostasy and church corruption. Apostasy is to fall away from the true faith. And I mentioned that last week, will not dwell on it. That is why the Methodist Church, some of them in the Methodist Church are withdrawing from the regular Methodist denomination and going with a new denomination because they no longer hold the Bible. They have apostatized away from it. And Adrian Rogers says that if you're in a church like that, you need to get out. In this case, they're able to get the church under their control, take it away from those that have apostatized away from the true faith, But Adrian Rogers was kind of funny. He said, you ought to get out of that church. You say, well, I can't leave because Grandma's buried in the backyard in the cemetery. He said, if Grandma could, she'd get up and leave too. So, (laughs) the Roman church pushed the Bible aside and brought on the dark ages. The Protestant church rediscovered the Bible And you know it was against the rules for individuals to have the scripture. Martin Luther is one of them that championed having the Bible where people, common people could know what it said. But of course Gutenberg's the one that really blew it up, didn't he, when he invented the printing press. Yeah. So the the Protestant church rediscovered the Bible, but now neglects it. Many people today in the Protestant church never open their Bible from week to week. Many of them would not be in church enough to know what the Bible says because they got so many extracurricular activities that are so important. That take them away from church, so they're not only they are not reading the Bible, but they're not hearing the Bible either, because they're not in church to hear it. The Protestant Church rediscovered the Bible, but now neglects it. Widespread disregard of the Bible by the present-day church is simply appalling. Many prominent church leaders not only neglect the Bible but with great intellectual pride in the name of modern scholarship, resort to every conceivable means to undermine its divine origin and toss it aside as a patchwork of Hebrew thought." Dr. Halley's been dead for a while. That was written a long time ago. Amazing how accurate it is to this day, isn't it? And so, Paul is here instructing this young minister and encouraging him to be faithful to what he has been taught and what he has seen in action. Paul said, You saw me live it out, didn't he? That's what he said in in verse 11. Thou hast fully known my doctrine, which is teaching the the principles of my life. (coughs) You've known my manner of life. You know how I lived. My purpose. You know what I was about. My faith the things that I suffered, my love or charity, my patience, and then he adds the persecutions and afflictions that he went through, and these are Iconium, Uh, you can read about them in the book of Acts, Uh, Acts 13.50 uh, gives us what happened to him at Antioch, and that's Presidian Antioch. So when you're reading in the 13th chapter of Acts, they went out as missionaries from Syrian Antioch. But then they went into another territory, and there's another city of the same name, Antioch. But it is a different city and a different location. It is called Presidian Antioch. And there Paul suffered persecution, Paul and Barnabas. At Iconium, and that you can find uh, in the scripture in Acts 14:5. Uh, at Lystra, and how about Lystra? He said, "You know what persecution I endured." And Timothy would know that very well because Timothy lived at Lystra. Uh, that's where he and the apostle Paul became knowledgeable of each other. I don't know a whole lot about their association at that time, but he no doubt was there when Paul was stoned. I don't mean he got drunk. (laughs) I mean, they pelted him with rocks at Lystra. And you find that in 19... and 20, 14, 19, and no, that's not right. Lystra is over here. <coughs> yes, 14, 19, and 20 of Acts. <coughs> Excuse my hacking. Uh, so they they pelted him with rocks for preaching the gospel. And the Bible says... They drug him out of the city for dead. Do you think he wasn't in bad shape? They thought he was dead. The people that threw the stones, they thought we've killed him. They drug him out of the city, and the believers, the believers at Lystra, the people who had received Christ, stood around him. Do you think he was just standing there? You think maybe they were praying for God to help help them and help Paul? Well, he got up. Uh, Some would say he was dead, and God caused him to come back from death. I don't know. Uh, But he was in bad shape. If they thought he was dead, the people threw the stones. They would have thrown some more stones. If they thought he was still alive, they would have bashed his head. But he got up. He went back in the city, and he instructed the believers before he left. And there was Timothy in Lystra. Timothy had a godly mother and a godly grandmother. His father was not a believer. We don't find anywhere that Timothy's father was a believer. So it was up to mom and grandma. And mom and grandma did a great job of keeping Timothy involved in the scripture. To know what the scripture said. Mom and grandmother believed in the scriptures, and followed the God of the Old Testament. And so, the Bible tells us that Paul endured persecutions, and Timothy could testify to that. And so, it was a brave young man that saw what happened to Paul, decided to become a partner with him in the gospel and preaching knowing full well that he could suffer the same kind of persecution as paul suffered so paul tells us that things are not going to get any better that evil men and seducers will wax worse and worse when you think about that for a minute it's not just the idea that there's going to be more of them it's the idea that they're going away from God like a car in reverse going faster and faster in the wrong direction. Look at how depraved our society has become with drag queens in the libraries and people thinking that little kids should be exposed to this as though it's a normal thing with uh, all the various things that are attempted to be pushed through. And yes, I have to call out Disney. I don't, I'm sure Walt Disney would be very disappointed at the people that have taken over the empire of Disney and the things that they are promoting, the things that they are trying to instill in young people's minds as being something that they should seek after. And then the terrible surgeries that are being done today. Uh, We heard of University in in Tennessee uh, that is promoting uh, surgeries on young people that really don't know what life is all about, to change their lives forever, to get mastectomies, uh, to alter their bodies so they can never be normal people. to cause them to be, as it were, freaks of nature by the time they get through with the, with the surgeries. But Paul says, continue in the things which you have learned, been assured of, and you know who you've learned them from. And then he goes on in verse 15. He says that from a child you've known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. The scriptures, the Bible, the fact that Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins, the fact that Jesus lived a perfect life and he was the perfect sacrifice, the fact that Jesus conquered the grave, that Jesus rose again from the grave, the fact that many saw him and attached to the verity to the truth that he did conquer the grave the fact that after he appeared to them for 40 days he was assembled he he had them assembled with him and as they watched he was caught back up into the heavens and we know he made it all the way to the throne of god because The first martyr of the church, Stephen, saw Jesus through eyes of faith when he was being stoned to death. He said, I see Jesus standing. So Jesus not only went into the heavens, he went to the right hand of the throne of God. And he's there to make intercession for us. So, Timothy, you've known the holy scriptures. They make you wise unto salvation. Folks. Our salvation is based on fact. When we get saved, we don't just come and we want a little good feeling, uh, a, little, a little quiver somewhere or another, and we say, oh, I, I feel all better. It's based on fact. It's based on fact. And that's what our salvation is based on. Yes, what about the fact? Well, the fact cannot be appropriated to us that Christ is our Savior until our faith takes hold of that, to say, I believe that. And that's what the Bible says salvation is based on. That is based on the on the fact that our faith has made contact with that to say, I believe it. Now there used to be a saying uh, God said it, I believe it, and that settles it. But it's already settled whether you believe it or not, just not settled in your life. Because God said it, and it's true. But, blessed be God, if we believe it, then we're the beneficiaries, aren't we? Then we get we get the blessing of it, because then we believed what God did. We believe what happened through Christ's death that's made available to us and so our faith makes contact with the fact and we say I want Christ as my savior I want to follow Christ well what happens when the feeling fades you no longer feel the high of salvation and it is a high because it's a great relief it's like you're carrying a heavy load, your sins, and you know you're headed for hell. And you meet Jesus, and that load is lifted off your shoulders, and you, whew, what a relief, what a blessing. I know where I'm going now. I know that my, my soul is secure in the Savior's care. And a lot of times that does promote, promote a... Shout of joy. Used to be more of those that came out of the church than what there are today. Uh, Circleville Camp Meeting. There used to be a lot of shouting going on there. Uh, One of the shouters was a woman by the name of Billy Cartwright. And uh, she would shout around the tabernacle. Uh, She would would enjoy her salvation. Uh, And uh, another one uh, from over to Urbana Church uh was a shouter and i can't think i heard was that sister bush i think there was a shouter there were certain ones of them then there was a big old guy that used to stand back there in the back uh and i mean he was a big guy uh not saying fat he was just big tall and he wouldn't shout but i'd be back there listening to the service not because i was trying to stay away from the front but just Maybe that's another place you could get a seat in Circleville Camp Meeting. And uh, and he he was a big guy and he was just say, hurrah for Jesus! Hurrah for Jesus! Uh, people used to express what elation was in their soul, to shout for Jesus. Well, you shout for the Buckeyes, why, why shouldn't you shout for Jesus? And let it be known that you have a great Savior and a great Lord, that when... When the Buckeyes lose the ball game, you still got your salvation, uh, whether 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 the big chuck comes to comes to the coach or not. So uh, to know that the joy the joy of sins forgiven, that Jesus is your Savior, yes. So when when feeling fails, and it does fail, because sometimes you get bad news. Sometimes. Your metabolism's off. Sometimes the the medicine reacts against you. Uh, Sometimes you're having having a problem and you didn't sleep well. Uh, Sometimes your system's out of kilter. But that doesn't change the fact that you're saved, that you know Jesus as your Savior. Yes, you want to walk straight. You want to do the Lord's will. And if you're doing things that are not right, it'll bring condemnation into your heart. And that's what the scripture says here. I'm not going to spend much time on this, because he said it makes makes you wise unto salvation. It's through faith, which I emphasize, and it's in Christ Jesus, or Jesus Christ. You can say it either way. Jesus is the Christ, the anointed of God, and Christ is the Jesus that we know. And he says in 16, all scripture is given by inspiration. It's God breathed. And I read that scripture out of Peter last week, out of Second Peter, where the scripture tells us in chapter 3 and verses 15 and 16 that holy men of old were carried along They were inspired by the Holy Spirit to write the things that they wrote. Maybe we ought to read that again, because sometimes you don't remember uh, what was read. So let's look at 2 Peter, and I will read that for you again. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 15 and 16, an account That the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation, even as our beloved Paul, also according to the wisdom given unto him, hath written unto you. And that is not the scripture I wanted. Um, The scripture I wanted, um, let me see. Okay, it's in chapter 1. That I was going to read to you to prove that Scripture being written at that time was received as inspired. Uh, in, in 121 of Second Peter, well, let's start at 20. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of the Scripture of, is of any private interpretation. It was not people writing it down saying it was from God when it was God moving to do it. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man. You see what I said? It's not because somebody said I'm going to write this and say God said it. It Did not come by the will of man. But holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Holy men of God spake as they were moved by. As they were like a sailboat driven by the wind, the Spirit, as they were moved by the Holy Spirit, by the wind of heaven. They were moved by that. And so, yeah, we had a little, a little problem there, didn't we? I didn't have the right scripture, but I found it for you. So it's there. So, it's uh, given by inspiration of God, it's profitable. For doctrine, which is teaching. It is teaching. It's teaching the things of Christ. And that is what the apostles did after Jesus went back to heaven. And they were the ones that were preaching the gospel. They told them what Jesus taught. And they gave them foundation for their belief. For doctrine, for reproof. That can mean correction, that can mean conviction that something is right. But yes, sometimes there needs to be reproof or there needs to be a correction in a a rebuke rather as to what someone has done. And then for correction, for getting back on the right path. So it's not always to be amputation when somebody steps out of the will of God. If they're willing to take rebuke and receive correction, then they can go on and they can serve the Lord. Many people are unwilling to do that. Many people will not take rebuke. They will not take direction, correction in their life. Um, they instead seek another church, and they go another direction, maybe to their own destruction. Uh, for instruction in righteousness. We do need instruction in righteousness, folks, because there are some things that are wrong. And this, this thing about, you know, uh, every, everybody's going to go to heaven. Everybody's just fine. I mentioned it to you last week, and I shall read it for you now, and I've got the right reference too. It says here in Corinthians, in chapter 6 of 1 Corinthians, chapter 6 and verse 9, know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. So don't be living like the devil. And say you're on your way to heaven. Yeah, you can mess up, but you better fess up. You can mess up, but you better fess up. You better have some apologies. If you sinned in front of people, you need to apologize. You need to ask their forgiveness. And no, I didn't say, just say, oh, I'm sorry, and go going your way. How about, will you forgive me? It takes a little more intestinal fortitude. It's what we used to call, which is uncouth guts. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. And there's all kind of ways to get around that verse. You'd be surprised the semantics or the language tricks that are pulled by people that want to say you can sin every day and live however you want and still go to heaven. They do a lot of language tricks, but here it's very clear, black print on white paper on my Bible, and it says, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators. That can be people having sex outside of wedlock, or it can be adultery. It's used both ways in the scriptures. Nor idolaters. Well, we don't have any idolaters in this day. Yes, we do. People bow down for their money, don't they? They serve their sports. Uh, Other things have first place over God. Anything that takes priority over God is an idol. Nor adulterers. So there now you have fornicators and adulterers, which would talk about unfaithfulness in marriage, nor effeminate, and that is homosexual and lesbianism, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, which takes in another whole realm that I would no doubt be deficit in trying to bring all that out, nor thieves. Well, I only steal a little bit, I only steal from people that's got a lot of money. You know, I, I I'm not really a thief. I, I just picked up some stuff on the job and took it home. <coughs> well, I could give you some illustrations of that, but I won't. Nor covetous. To covet is to have idols, isn't it? Say, I want this. This is, this is worth more to me than it is the other person. Nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners, extorting stuff. You can, you can extort the government and you're guilty before God. People that try to slide things through and they know it's not theirs. And you see people on the paper once in a while that have stolen stuff and the government goes back and checks and finds out. They've done it by extortion. They've made false claims against Medicare, against uh, the COVID money that was available and so forth. Nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. Wow, that shuts us all out, doesn't it? Paul, you've, you've slammed the door now. None of us can get in, but he goes on. And such were some of you. you think some of them confessed to Paul and said, I used to do this or that? Paul said, such were some of you. But you are washed. But you are sanctified. You've been set apart. But you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of God. Wow, that's through verse 11. What a a scripture we have received there. How about uh, over in Ephesians? See, they say, well... They just preach a bunch of generalities today. Nobody names anything. Well, there are the preacher's named a few things, hadn't he? Just named what's in the Bible. And if the Bible's our rule of faith and practice, we need to live by it. It says um, <clears throat> in Ephesians chapter 4, he says that we're, we're supposed to Put on the new man. We're supposed to be new people. If you're, a, if you're converted and you're a woman, it's put on the new woman. Be a different person. He says in verse 19 that some are past feeling who have given themselves over into lasciviousness, which is following after lust, to work all uncleanness and greediness, but ye have not so learned Christ, if so be that ye have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. Well, we didn't know that Jesus taught that. We, we never read the Bible. We didn't know what was in there. That ye put off concerning the former conversation, the former lifestyle, the old self or the old man which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Wherefore, putting away lying. And I hear people that say, well, we all lie. Uh, Paul didn't, didn't embrace that. John certainly didn't, because he said in Revelation, All liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone. Wherefore, putting away all lying, let every man speak, let every man speak, let's try that again, wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Well, what if somebody gives you something and you don't like it? Well, you know you don't have to lie about it. You can say, I appreciate it, didn't suit my taste, or you know, it was pretty. <laughs> Tasted terrible, <laughs> but it was pretty. Uh, I was just told this last week, and I won't name who it was, but somebody gave somebody something, and uh, and they told me that that person said, "I appreciate it, and I ate it, but don't give me any more." <laughs> well, that's honesty, isn't it? Yeah, it's honesty. Uh, you know, you can you can butter people up. You know, the little cannibal got kicked out of school for buttering up his teacher. <laughs> Did you hear that? Yeah. Okay. So speak the truth. There's other ways to say things than to persist in a lie. Um, and so we we need to ask God how to respond, how to reply to people without being crude or rude or hurting people's feelings, but letting them know that we're honest, we're gonna be honest. He says, uh, be ye angry and sin not. We ought to be angry about some things, folks. We ought to be angry about things that are going on today. And we ought to be angry enough to get out and vote and vote for people that are better people than some of them that allow some of the terrible things that have been going on. And that doesn't mean all of them. are in power now, are evil people. Neither give place to the devil. You know, let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor working with his hands the thing which is good, that he may have to give to him that needeth. You heard about the fellow that they asked him what he was doing. He said he was spotting steel. He said, I spot it in the daytime and steal it at night. So, steal no more, Paul says. How about this one? Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. Corrupt communication, what is that? Vulgar expressions cursing using using God's name in a in an in a disrespectful unholy way and grieve not the Holy Spirit of God whereby you're sealed unto the day of redemption how about verse 31 let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking there you're talking about other people evil speaking doesn't necessarily mean doesn't necessarily Necessarily mean corrupt communication. It's just evil speaking. Be put away from you with all malice, with all hard feelings, malice, anger against people. And be ye kind one to another, tender hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Wow. Hard to live up to some of those things, isn't it? It is, but as people of God, this is our book, folks. This is this is the rules, and you know sometimes it's a sh- it's a shame we get a new piece of equipment and we don't even read read how it works. Uh, you know, you get a new iPhone or you get a whatever Android or whatever they have. I don't have that. All I got's a flip phone, but. Some people don't know how that stuff works. They have it. They, they own it. Uh, but they don't know anything about it because they never read anything about it. Well, this we're talking about at a different level. It's okay if you don't know how the Android or the iPhone or the computer and all that works. But you better know something about what Jesus says and expects of you. You better, read, you better read these rules of conduct. You better try to live by them. God can help you do it. And the Bible tells us that we are on display as the world looks at us, and we claim the name of Christ. We're on display. We want want our Heavenly Father to get glory from our lives. So that's all I'm going to give you this morning. That was probably more than you wanted. Yeah, like the old guy that was sitting there and he had his ear had his hand cuffed up to his ear and the fellow said that was preaching he said you want me to speak a little louder so you can hear basically he, <coughs> <coughs> he said no 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 i'm not doing what i'm hearing now <laughs> so, so stand with me if you would